Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. This is not my first day here. If I'm starting with hockey, it's not that I'm playing to that smaller audience over there. I'm coming up with something that is kind of transcendent. Something that will appeal to those of you who aren't down, who aren't into hockey. I get this. I know what I'm doing. This ain't my first rodeo. Man, have some faith. Follow along. If I'm starting with hockey, something significant went down last night. It did. It's leading me to this as well. Nobody loves the NHL postseason more than me, but go ahead and cancel the NHL playoffs right now. Yes, I said it. Yeah. Because while, while there are other, other games ahead, in fact, two months of hockey still ahead, you're just not going to find a better goal than the one scored by Philip Forsberg last night. And no, this is not me honking for the Preds because I did pick the Preds to win it all. This is completely objective. That goal from Forsberg was objectively filthy, completely and utterly nasty. But in order to properly set the stage, especially if you are new to the sport or you really only pick up on hockey when the playoffs start, let's get something very clear. Yes, Nashville is the number one seed. They've got the best record in hockey. Yes, they're going up against the Colorado Avalanche, who were a disaster last year. And they turned everything around this year just to reach the postseason. But it doesn't mean that the Avs are simply happy to be in the playoffs and that they were overawed by the moment and the experience. In fact, not at all. They jumped out to a one nothing lead in the first period. That stunned the Predators. You figure the Avalanche had awoken the sleeping giant. So when Nashville scores less than four minutes into the second, it stood to reason that the Lanch were going to collapse. But they didn't. They went right back to retake that lead less than two minutes later. Really impressive. On the road, in one of the most hostile barns in the league, and Colorado is hanging in there. Nashville ties it up before the end of the second. But the way the Avs had shown up, anything was possible in the third period. I could have imagined any sort of scenarios, but never the one that I saw because Forsberg went to work. 6.08 into the third period. He breaks the tie with this. Predators win the draw. Johansson got it back to Ellis. Arvidsson backhands out, and that shot, and the tip of the score! The Predators with Philip Forsberg in front take a 3-2 lead! Preds radio. So 6-08 into the third, he broke the tie with that. Then, six minutes later, he broke the entire internet with this. Home ice advantage as far as they go this time. Forsberg, what a ball, he scores! I mean, this is just unbelievable. You talk about skill. Philip Forsberg's able to carry this puck through the neutral zone and then watch the nifty stick work right here. Through the legs, he's able to get it past Gerard, and then what a finish on Jonathan Bernier. Through the legs, Gerard cannot find a way to defend him, and then he just puts it past a stunned Jonathan Bernier. Just some, some fantastic stuff by Forsberg. Wait, what? Wait, what the hell was that? Are you watching on CBS Sports Network? Have you seen that goal? Have you seen the video? What the hell was that? I've watched hockey my entire life. I have never, ever seen anything like that. Can you run it back for me one more time? They have home ice advantage as far as they go this time. Forsberg, what a ball he scores! I mean, this is just unbelievable. You talk about skill. Philip Forsberg's able to carry this puck through the neutral zone and then watch the nifty stick work right here. Through the legs, he's able to get it past Gerard, and then what a finish. I'll say it again. I have watched hockey my entire life. I mean, dating back. I hate to date myself, but I mean, dating back to the old WHA days. Early 1970s. I used to go watch the L.A. Sharks in the old L.A. Sports Arena. We had season tickets to the L.A. Kings way back in the day when they pulled 7,000 people a night. Triple crown line, even prior to that. I've watched that game my entire life. I love hockey. I have never seen a guy do what he did. I have never seen that. I mean, I thought that a Rockies outfielder parachuting into the middle of a brawl with the Padres was going to be the most amazing video that I saw all week long, yet I was wrong. I have watched that goal 50 times. 50, and I still don't understand it. I mean, I see it. I can describe it, but I do not understand it. I've got a better understanding of the Forsberg trade than I do of that Forsberg goal. 
If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have seen it, you know what I'm saying. This guy goes between his legs, between the defenseman's legs, and then he scores. I mean, deking between your legs is one thing. Going between your opponent's legs is another. But doing both and then scoring, it's a joke. I mean, I'm not even going to sit here and clown defenseman Samuel Gerrard or the goaltender, Jonathan Bernier. Because what the hell could they do? That was a clean death and an honorable one at that. You want to claim that Gerard and Bernier look like they never saw it coming? Of course, because nobody would. Nobody could see that coming. Nobody's thinking, hey, wait, I know what this cat's going to do. He's going to go between his legs, through my legs, and then beat the goaltender. Nobody knows Forsberg better than his own teammates know him, and even they couldn't believe it. They were stunned. Austin Watson, quote, that was unbelievable. I don't know if you guys panned over to the jaw or to the bench, but all of our jaws dropped. He thinks of doing things out there that wouldn't even happen in my dreams, end quote. Colton Sissons, quote, he just does unbelievable things all the time, it seems for us in here. But to do it on this day in an intense playoff game, it's pretty unbelievable, end quote. And then you ask Forsberg, what did he make of the whole thing? Quote, it was just one of those that come up, I guess, when you skate and it worked, end quote. Yeah, pretty basic, right? Pretty basic if you ask me. Just something that kind of comes up and it works. Nothing too crazy. Just putting clown suits on professional hockey players who have played the game their entire lives. Not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. So big, I think I will run it back one more time. They have home ice advantage as far as they go this time. Forsberg, what a ball he scores! I mean, this is just unbelievable. You talk about skill. Philip Forsberg's able to carry this puck through the neutral zone and then watch the nifty stick work right here. Through the legs, he's able to get it past Gerard, and then what a finish on Jonathan Bernier. Through the legs, Gerard can go ahead. find a way to defend him. And then go ahead and cancel playoffs right now because it's not going to get any better than that. <laughs> Kevin Byer joining us. Kevin, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, Jim? Good, good, Kevin. Listen, I would ask you how your offseason's going, but I think I've got an idea because you started to work out with your trainer from Middle Tennessee State just two weeks after the Pro Bowl, so I know you're already looking ahead to next season. That said, take one last look back at last season. How much pride do you have in the fact that you broke out the way you did in just your second year in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, my confidence is definitely running uh, run pretty high going into the season. Uh, I mean, I, knew, I know we have a new coaching staff, new defense uh, coordinator and things like that, but I mean, at the end of the day, man, with the success I had last year, I just want to keep, continue to build on, on top of that. And like I said, man, try to have another all-pro year. Yeah, Kevin, I was going to get to that a little bit later on, but since you mentioned it, there are some changes this past offseason. You've got a new head coach in Mike Vrabel. You've got a new D coordinator in Dean Pease. I know it's early on, but what are your early impressions so far? I mean, I, I think it's been going pretty well, man. I mean, we just had our first week of off-season training, just phase one. Uh, a bit of an introductory to the, to the defense and to the new playbook and things like that. I mean, I definitely like the scheme. I think uh, DP is going to be just another Dick LeBeau. I mean, it's great to have, you know, a legendary coach Dick LeBeau to be having another legendary coach in DP. So transition is not going to be hard at all. Kevin Byard, my guest. Now, Kevin, when you and I spoke during the season, we talked about the fact that you set school records for interceptions at Middle Tennessee State. So it's not coming as a complete surprise to anybody that you're doing what you're doing in the NFL. But at the same time, you were, in your own words, maybe a diamond in the rough that people did not fully appreciate how good that you could be. Did you know that you would be this good this quickly, or maybe did you surprise even yourself a little bit? I mean, I want to sit here and say that, you know, I just knew coming to this year I was going to have, you know, the season I had. But one thing I will say, you know, in training camp, I actually made it one of my goals that I wanted to have 10 to 12-plus turnovers this year, and I ended up reaching that goal. So, you know, I always think about setting goals and you know, trying to set your goals pretty high so you can have some taste. And I think that's something I've always done my entire career playing football is always setting my goals pretty high and going to work hard to get those goals. So I, I think this year is about setting even higher higher goals and having higher expectations for myself. All right, so expectations and goals. Quote, you said, I'm chasing greatness. First team All-Pro, Pro Bowl is not enough for me. I'm trying to get a gold jacket, and we chasing rings. End of quote. So knowing that, did you give yourself a chance to enjoy the accomplishments of last season, or did you immediately start thinking about those bigger things? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to get caught up in, like I said, again. You know, I mean, I have enjoyed the fruits of my labor a little bit. I took a trip with my fiance this year. I mean, that was pretty fun. But at the end of the day, you know, the work is not done. I think that, you know, the, the moment that you get caught up in all the accomplishments you have is the moment you start falling off. I don't want to have any kind of slump 
uh, from, from last year. So, you know, I got straight back to work two weeks after the Pro Bowl, and I was grinding hard on my trainer. So, you know, I'm, I'm always about just setting goals and completing those goals and then setting new goals. Because at the end of the day, you know, I want to look back, you know, when I'm done playing to, to you know, like I said, trying to enjoy those things. But as of right now, I'm in full grind mode. Today's episode of the Daily Jungle brought to you by Fan Exchange. Hey, listen, are you thinking about buying tickets to your favorite sporting event this weekend? Maybe a concert, maybe a theater event. Maybe you want to experience a basketball game courtside rather than on your couch. Maybe you want to check out the NHL playoffs. Go bang on the glass instead of on your own TV in your own living room. Then head on over to FanExchange.com. Get a safe, easy, and reliable experience there. Tickets purchased on FanExchange are always guaranteed. There's no getting to the gate and then worrying about getting in. So whether it's the NBA, MLB, wrestling, Coachella, a Broadway musical, Fan Exchange will get you closer to all the action and you can find the very best seats at the very best prices at fanexchange.com. Make sure you use the promo code ROME. Fan Exchange, we have tickets. That's Fan Exchange. Kevin Byer joining us. Listen, I would argue that when you have the kind of year you had and you lead the league in interceptions and you're a first-team All-Pro, among other things, you would think that your name would be household in the NFL right now. But then there was a very interesting incident earlier in the offseason on Twitter when a particular analyst did not seem to know who you were. As you look back, Kevin, what do you make of that whole thing? You know, I, I, don't, I don't really take anything up from, from at this point right now. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of been I've kind of been put it behind me. And like I said, I mean, I'm just one of those guys who I've been overlooked, you know, a lot, you know, my entire career from not even getting invited to the combine with the, the statistics that I had in college. So I always just look at that as, as keeping that chip on my shoulder and not always thinking that, you know, just because you did this, because you did that, you know, guys are going to respect you. You always have to fight for your respect. I mean, this you know the NFL is a year-by-year league, so, you know, you're only as, as good as your last game. You're only as good as your last year so. I want to always keep that in the back of my mind, saying that hey, just because I was thirteen mile pro this year, you know, this season totally different season. You have to go out there and work as hard as you did last year, and so you can, you know, like I say, continue to have the season or have to be the player that I want to be. You, know, you just said it yourself. You already put it behind you. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder because of it, but you put it behind you. I know your teammates though didn't necessarily do so. As an example, Logan Ryan was chirping at you during a workout, saying, "Just a fan. That boy ain't no fan. He ain't no fan." <laughs> so, what was your reaction when you heard that from your teammates in a workout? I mean, it's just fun, man. It's all in competition. It's all about you know trying to make each other better. I mean, at the end of the day, I do have it in the back of my mind at the end of the day, but it's not something I'm using as motivation. I don't want to use, you know, the comments that, you know, Dion said to, to to build my name up off that. I want to build my name off my work ethic, my grind, and what I put on the field. And at the end of the day, if guys don't respect it or, or if anybody doesn't respect it, not just saying him, if anybody don't pay attention to what I'm doing, it's all good because I feel like at the end of the day, you know, in a couple more years, I will be a household name and everybody would kind of look back at those situations saying, hey, I, we should never doubt it, that man. I think we're already looking at it like that. Kevin Byard, my guest. I mean, in a way, you could say there's a level of disrespect, but maybe, Kevin, not just to you, but does it feel like it maybe for the entire secondary, and do you feel like maybe the entire group is not getting the attention or respect that it deserves? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily even say that because I feel like you have to earn respect. I don't feel like we've done anything as a secondary that, you know, earns the respect of, you know, the Denver Broncos of years past and, you know, some of the top secondaries in the league. So, at the end of the day, I feel like we have to go out there and put up those numbers to give people something to respect at the end of the day. So I feel like, you know, we're not afraid to put it out there. We're not afraid to say that we want to be the best and we want to be the best secondary. And we're putting the work, we're putting the work, you know what I'm saying, we're putting the work in to do it. So at the end of the day, when you put the work in, it's only going to put us in position. But at the end of the day, we still have to go out there and make those plays. And like I said, I, I, I think, you know, with the work, the guys that we got this year, we're definitely in a great position to be there. All right, so fair enough. When you look at who you had last year and the productivity you had last year, the work you're putting in right now, and then you add a guy like Malcolm Butler, how good can this group be next year? Like I said, I think we can be one of the best secondaries in the league. I think it's just all about putting the work in week in and, and week out. Like I said, learning the new playbook and, uh, you know, just getting, that, just getting that chemistry with each other. I think having a Dory, Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler – it's like having three number one corners, and I feel like that's that's a, that's a great to have. It's definitely not a a, a problem. So I, I think, like I said, if we could just put it all together and go out there and compete with the best in the best in the league, man, I think we could definitely be the best. Kevin Byer joining me for a few more moments. So last year you get your first taste of the postseason. What do you remember about that atmosphere and the intensity of those two games? And once you've had that taste, how much hungrier does that make you going forward? Man, it was definitely totally different than the regular season. I think. Just, when you walk out there for the pregame warm-ups, just doing your warm-ups, you can just feel the atmosphere, 
you know, in the stadium that this is not a regular game. You know, everything is on the line is when to go home. And I think just having that taste of the postseason, you can use that to your preparation in every single game to saying that if you treat every game like a postseason game, I think you could definitely put yourself in position to win every single game. And I think just having that taste of, you know, the entire team, having the success that we did, especially with people not even expecting us to get that far in the playoffs, I think it just adds a boost of confidence going to this offseason saying that, hey, we had a good year last year. We know we can be good, but we have to go even harder this year to become great so we can, you know, reach that next pinnacle. And then, Kevin, the team broke out the new uniforms. You saw the uniforms before the public did. What were your first impressions of the new gear? I mean, I always felt like it was great. You know, I think it definitely adds another level of excitement to the season, having new unis. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, when what's that pre- when that first preseason game, and I think the fans really see us come out there, those jerseys, man, I think it's really going to signify who we are, man, Titans, man. It's definitely something electric. I think it's fierce, and I think uh, the owners did a great job. I mean, Kevin, there's some electricity in that town now. When you see the way the city responded to the Nashville Predators and you see how 20,000 fans showed up Wednesday night for the unveiling of the new uniforms, what's that right. say about that fan base that you have? I mean, it's just growing. Like I said, I've been, I went to Middle Tennessee, so I've been in the Tennessee area for about the last six, seven years. And I could tell you, when I was a freshman in college, nobody watched the Titans football. I mean, I didn't want to watch it on Sundays. I think, uh, you know, it was, a, it was just a bad team. And I think just the past few years with just the excitement, the winning that's been going on, you can see how the city is just responding to that. And then, like you said, the prayers, they're in the playoffs right now. They had a big win last night. It, it's just a great time to be a Titan right now. It's a great time to be a Nashville. Tristan Thompson. He's got himself in so deep, so deep with his relationship and wrecked it, butchered it so badly and so publicly with such dirtbag timing that it might actually now be a sports story, at least in part, because the NBA playoffs do get underway. And Tristan Thompson is a a 20-minute-a-night gamer for a Cleveland team trying to run down another championship on LeBron's way out. Or, I mean, even if you want to make the argument, try and find a way to keep him there. Because this is a dude that, although he hasn't given them as much as he should or as much as they expect, he has given them 10 and 9 every single night he checks in off the bench. So he's all that. He gives them some productivity. They need this guy to a certain extent. But on top of that, he is now public enemy number one in America. And it's only getting worse. And this is why this makes this a sports story. This guy was booed at home. And not because of the way he plays. Booed at home in their season finale. Booed at home on Wednesday night. And if it's not because of the way he plays, why is it? If you don't know, you're under a rock somewhere. It's probably got something to do with the fact that he was caught on tape stepping out on his pregnant wife who happens to be Khloe Kardashian. Like one of the all-time bad guy moves. One of the all-time bad guy moves, stepping out on your pregnant wife. Bad guy move, horrible look. So this guy goes from getting busted to getting absolutely skewered online to getting booed at home to walking into the delivery room yesterday for 12 straight hours to see his girlfriend for the first time since she found out that he cheated on her. That's when he came together. That was their reunion. He walked in at the time of delivery. And if you thought those 12 hours could not be any more painfully awkward, then I should also tell you that both of Chloe's furious sisters and mom were in the same room as well. So go ahead and pour one out for Tristan Thompson right now. Pour one out because even though he deserves everything he's getting and more, Man, how do you deny the sheer moxie that it would take to be in the same room as those four and showing up for the first time since it all went down? For the birth of your child. And not just four women now. I mean, any guy does that to any woman and walks in on any family, it's going to be gruesome. And understandably so. But you do it to that family? You do it to those women? The four most famous women maybe in the world right now with a track record of destroying any dude who dares cross them. I mean, there's a hit list, and this guy's right on the top. And if there's a hit list and he's on top, imagine him walking in at that moment. At that moment. 
Never mind that the whole world was keeping tabs on Chloe's labor yesterday. Now this guy's got to take the walk of shame from the delivery room to the locker room and get ready for the Indiana Pacers. Now this guy's got to play the game with all of that going on around him. I mean, I understand that certain athletes have an ability to compartmentalize. Good luck with that, T. Good luck compartmentalizing that. That. And isn't that the fear when you sign up for that? Isn't that the fear that when you go into that family business? That something like this might happen. So good luck starting the playoffs. Good luck getting your head right. Good luck with all of it. Just in time for the playoffs. I'm sure LeBron is really thrilled that his guy completely mind-melted right now in time for a playoff run. Strive for cuz, or strive for greatness out there, cuz. With that. Out here, cuz. I mean, there is a sports angle here, right? Like, how the hell is that guy going to ball out? How is Tristan going to ball out when 100 million social media eggs are coming for this guy? 100 million is probably a small uh, estimate. And then juxtapose that with the fact that he just had a kid. He just had a kid. Got a baby at home. Uh, The mother of the child who is furious. 100 million eggs on social media that are probably even more mad than the four women in that delivery room. And this guy's got to play some ball right now. I'd say you can't script this stuff, but the producers of a reality show will find a way, right? Trust me on that. And mom will be directing the entire thing. Rest in peace, Tristan. Rest in peace. It was good while it lasted. And check this out. Us Weekly. Us Weekly, which is pretty much the Bible of this kind of dirt, reports the following. Tristan Thompson is, quote, incredibly remorseful for being unfaithful to Khloe Kardashian and hopes that she decides to stay in Cleveland with their newborn daughter. A source exclusively tells Us Weekly, and I quote, Tristan is making no moves to try and prevent Chloe from leaving and keeping their daughter in Cleveland. He is incredibly remorseful for everything that has happened and doesn't want to cause Chloe any more pain, end quote. As always, sorry for what happened or sorry that he's in that situation. Sorry for doing what he did or sorry for getting caught. Sorry for doing what he did and making her feel badly or sorry for doing something that's stupid. Meanwhile, Us Weekly has a second source who said the following, and this is Rich. Tristan has been overcome with emotion and everything changed when Chloe gave birth. He is hoping that Chloe will choose to stay in Cleveland with their daughter, but isn't going to make any demands of her to do so. Chloe's mom made it very clear to Tristan that it would be very unwise for him to make any moves to keep the baby in Cleveland. Nothing like a custody, custody battle over a kid that's five minutes old. They're already fighting over where the kid is going to be. That kid's been alive, what, four hours now? Wow. Problem with the kid, the kid didn't sign up for that. The kid didn't have a choice. The kid was born into it. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to be fine, Tristan. It's a good thing you can compartmentalize. This won't be a factor when you take the floor, I'm sure. Wooglin, 1839 tweets, Jim, we live under rocks. And even we know about Tristan Thompson getting it on with a couple of hotties at the bar. Regards, bums. That should have never seen the light of day. Romy, come on, man. This is from The Boomer 18. Romy, come on, man. Let this go so my man can keep his thoughts on the playoffs. Signed, Tiger Woods. Oh. Nick Sharkey tweets, man, this Tristan Thompson story makes me wonder about what kind of father and person he will be. Yours, the juice. Oh, no way. A reset of OJ allegedly being Chloe's pop. I didn't think that would come up. At Salahandro tweets, let's play some basketball. basketball. Signed Tristan walking into that delivery room. My man's got some stones now. I mean, yeah, it's his child. He damn well better be there. 
You're the father. You better be there. Imagine walking into that room with those four women after he got caught on tape doing what he did. Hey, ladies, got some uh, cigars, Dominicans, anybody? Congratulations. Hey, babe. Mom. Mom. Dear Rome, do you know how much of a freaking bag you have to be to make the Kardashians likable? Good Lord, Tristan. War bums using paper clips as tie clips. Dan in Denver, RTN. Why are bums coming up in this? Hey, Dan, why didn't you leave that alone? That in and of itself would have been a good email. Do you know how much of a freaking bag you have to be to make the Kardashians be likable? Good Lord Tristan. If you had just ended it there inside of Dan in Denver, RTN, I would have even read RTN. I mean, not only that, his own fans are booing him. How big of a bag would you have to be to get on the wrong side of your own fans? Your own fans are picking them over you. You know why? Because you violated one of the most obvious codes in the history of the world. It's one of the baggiest things, one of the worst things you could possibly do. You stepped out on your pregnant wife and got caught on tape. And they're taking her side. And it's the right side. Hey, Jim. I sincerely want to apologize to Chloe, my team, and my fans. There is no excuse for what I did. I am so sorry that I kissed a girl and I liked it. Signed, Trust Him Thompson. Denlesks, monogamously celibate. Yeah, Denlesks, I've seen your work. I believe that probably is true. We are joined by Corey Maggetti. Corey, good morning. What's up? How are you? What's going on? The legend, Jim Rohn. How you doing? Corey Maggetti. Man, I'm great. How about you? How are things? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Dude, you played 14 years in the NBA, and you've created a really nice role for yourself as a basketball analyst. So take me back to last year, Corey. When you first heard about the big three, what was your reaction, and what made you think, you know what, I get this, I like this, I want to be a part of it? Well, first of all, I was, I was selected to be one of the captains for uh, Team Power, um, from there, you know, it was just kind of just thinking about if my body can, can hold up. And, and then you had an opportunity to kind of play with majority of those guys you've seen back when you played. And, and so last year, tried it out, ended up getting hurt the first game. But um, looking forward to, to this season and all the new faces. And, you know, we got the new commissioner with Clyde Drexler. So uh, looking for, really, really looking forward to it. Corey McKinney, my guest, you know, it's unfortunate you got hurt in that first game, but you got back out there. I mean, what did it feel like to get back out there and to compete once again? Jim, you know what? It felt good. I mean, you know, the first game was out in Brooklyn, and, I mean, the fans there was amazing. It's about, you know, 17,000, 18,000 people there. So it actually kind of puts you back in that, that atmosphere and mindset of playing in the NBA. Uh, it was a great experience. Guys really love to get back on the floor and be competitive. And, and again, you know, even, even this year, is going to be more competitive with so many new faces that's going to be on the big three. Yeah, I mean, Corey, you're touching on this, but I kind of want to stress this because before last season, I think that folks had the impression that it's a league where you're going to have a bunch of famous guys out there having a little bit of fun. But the fact is, man, these guys are wired. You guys are wired a certain way. When you got out there, was it serious business? And how much do the competitive juices flow even in that format? Well, Jim, it was definitely competitive. I mean, I remember watching the first game and and how competitive as far as, you know, just the contact, because first of all, it's hand checking. So it kind of goes back to, you know, almost like a little bit of that old school uh, basketball. And guys is ready to compete. And you know, the thing is that a lot of these players have been playing in all season, uh, playing in rec leagues, and all of a sudden you get this opportunity to play in the big three. And when they throw the ball up and you have those 14 seconds to try to score the basketball, you know, it, it seriously got competitive from – Hey, I'm happy to be here to, hey, man, I want to kill this guy on the court. Corey McGetty joining us. He's the captain of the power. Now, the draft was held, and your team drafted Birdman, Quentin Richardson, Ryan Gomes. How do you feel about those additions? I feel good about it. I mean, I think last year was we, we needed more size. And, um, and when I got hurt, you needed someone to really step up. So, for me, you know, more of assurance policy, Quentin Richardson would, was, would be great, you know, just in case Mia Catino – goes now and you have another guy that can that can take care of that load 
Uh, then from there, we, we have Big Baby as well, who, who is one of our captains. And then you look at Birdman, you know, only a, maybe a year and a half removed from the league. But, you know, this is another guy has size, you know, can, can guard multiple positions in that three-on-three set, setting, shot blocker, you know, can set hard screens, roll to the basket. And I thought that was a huge pick for us. Uh, and then Ryan Gomes. Ryan Gomes is one of the G League uh, assistant coaches right now. And he brings a lot of veteran leadership. Um, he's definitely a cerebral player, so he understands the game. Uh, and at his size, he's six eight, six nine. So you bring more size where you can actually switch more off those screens with the three on three setting. Corey Maggetti breaking it down and joining us. Now, Corey, you're the captain of the power, but you're going to be coached by Nancy Lieberman, who's going to make uh-huh. her first. That's going to make her the first female coach in a men's pro league. How proud of you are that of that fact, and what do you think that's going to be like? You know what, man? If you just look at, at Nancy's track record, I mean, she was one of the first um, to start off in the NBA, and then next after that was Becky Hammond. But she's a Hall of Famer in the WNBA. She knows the game. She loves the game. She's still working for the Pelicans right now that, that made it to the playoffs. Um, you know, I'm just excited that she is able to, to, to able to coach us. But more importantly, she, she knows this game, and, and she knows players – I mean, every single player that that's in that draft, um, she she had them written down. She know their tendencies. She know exactly their what they can do on the floor. And so you, you bring another person that understands this game and loves this game. Um, you know, I don't care if she's a man or a woman. You know, it was just about bringing someone in that can be a great coach. We had Clyde Drexler last year, another Hall of Famer, and now we we have the pleasure of having another Hall of Famer in Nancy Lee. Corey McGetty, my guest. Now, Corey, you're playing in this league, but you're also working as an analyst, and you've made that actually look really, really easy. What's that experience been like for you? Jim, you know what? It's been great, you know, just the experience to to talk about the game of basketball. I had some great mentors uh, that allowed me to step into this role, which I'm very thankful and blessed about. Uh, it's been great to, to, to talk about the Clippers, a team that I was with for almost nine years. Uh, and kind of the breakdown of things that that team is doing. They have a lot of, they have a, a uphill battle ahead of them with with, with the changing pieces and uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do with some guys in the off season. But it's been such a pleasure to be able to do it. You know, Corey, before you go, you had nine years with the Clippers. You had a couple of really nice years with Golden State too. But at a time when Golden State was not having a lot of nice years, what do you think when you look at Golden State right now and you see how dominant they are and how that fan base has responded? You know what, Jim? It was great being there. And the mm-hmm. fan base, even when I played, you know, they were still strong. And one thing about Golden State, they have true fans that's going to support their, their teams no matter what. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of being with Steph Curry his first couple of years as a rookie and his first-year player and seeing a development in, in him. And all of a sudden, you know, he turned the switch on and became this unbelievable player, two-time MVP. And you know, you, you look at Bob Myers as a GM, what he has done to draft. I mean, think about it. You had Jerry West there who was able to, you know, kind of, you know, facilitate the things that happen within the program. He's a guy that has a huge track record in being successful. Um, they was able to get Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, then able to sign Kevin Durant. But their team has built an identity uh, about defense first. Uh, you have unbelievable shooting and, you know, this is going to be one of the most dominant teams, you know, for the next four to five years, for yeah, sure. I'm so glad you brought up Bob Myers. This is a huge Bob Myers house. So, Corey, last thought, when you talk about how Steph just threw the switch, he flipped the switch, became a two-time MVP. When you look at Golden State right now, they're pretty banged up. Does it concern you, or do they know where that switch is, and can they throw it once again when it matters most? It, of, of course I believe that they can they can do it where it matters most, matters most. but it kind of concerns me that you, you possibly won't have Steph Curry in the first round. You have a lot of teams that's hungry. You know, it's like a dog that hasn't been fed, that needs to eat, and they're going to attack anything. And I think with the Houston Rockets or the world, this this team is hungry. You know, Golden State, to me, kind of seems complacent. You know, you know, almost like they're bored. They won two championships. Uh, they, they broke the all-time record. And so they're going to need some type of momentum uh, to get them going and, and hopefully – you know, they can try to get healthy and don't slip up with these teams. You know, regardless if they're going to play these teams in the lower bowl from the six, seven, eight, uh, they're playing the, you know, the seven best team in, in the eight in the entire league. But it's a chance that some teams can surprise them if they are not ready to play. We've seen Steve Kerr 
multiple times this season talking about that the team is not playing the right way. Uh, hopefully that they can turn that switch on. We've seen it in the past and, and get back to the way Golden State ball is played. Corey Maggette, 14 years in the NBA and a member of the Big Three League. The Big Three season tips off June 22nd in Houston. He is a captain of the power. Corey, it is so good to have you back. I really appreciate you, Man, Corey. Thank, thank you, you thank so you much. Thank you for having me on, for sure. Yeah, Alvin, you got to trick that thing up. Dude. Alvin, you should work your magic with that thing. That'd be the best thing ever. What's going on? A tremendous Monday to you. Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. Hope you had a great weekend. I could very easily do an entire program on what happened at the Masters. Yeah! Captain America captures Augusta. When guys win that event, there usually is a roar and an explosion. That's not what that was. You know why? They didn't want him to win. You know what else? He doesn't give a and nor would I. It's like an Alan Shipno. So what about Rory? The course is just taking his lunch money and pulled down his pants a few times. This is one of the worst ones yet. I mean, he just slipped on the banana peel. I mean, it was hard to watch. Wore Rory moonlighting as a mascot of Chucky I don't think it's anatomically possible for anybody to have their ass over their shoulders. A couple years, I've just been coming here just to eat. Stop acting like you're happy with that because you're not, and he's still not back and never will be. Brian in Baco. And listen to your show. Look for a better value. You know, maybe like Patrick Reed. At 50 to 1. Today, I think we ought to do this. So I got a couple hundred on it, and one of my other buddies got 50 on it. How much is that going to pay out? So it pays out $15,000. Ice Cube, my guest, your son. He's in the new Godzilla movie coming out next summer. I mean, y'all looking around here like LeVar Ball, yelling and, and, and acting a fool. He's second generation Hollywood. There's no ceiling for my stupidity. And I always think, well like, said, Hawk. Th- this is well the last said. dumb thing that's going to happen to me. I'm telling you, when I stepped oh, into no, that that's shoe not, that's not true. and my back went, I couldn't believe it. When you're at the airport, you should never joke about bombs, explosives, or weapons. I repeat, do not make a joke about a bomb, an explosive, or a weapon. Thank you. Thank you! Kevin Sumlin. Johnny Manziel's been attempting a comeback. He's uh, comfortable with himself now and and really worked hard at change, and that's difficult. He's faced that, and uh, he really wants to play. He can't hear you. Do you know what he said? He can't hear you. He's got too much bleeping money in his hand. Good work if you can get it. Eh, hyenas? Stedman Bailey. Bone, blood, cartilage all over the place. And his cousin's description was, I saw a hole in his head. You know, like the Terminator. Except this really happened. For them to say, oh, you may not be able to talk, you may not be able to walk. You know, tell myself that I can do what people think I can't. Tim Nitz! Hello, friends. Tim Nitz is a great golfer commentator. The Preds have been there, they've done that, and now they're coming home with the cup. Write it down now, thank me later. It is a gift bestowed upon me from the hockey gods above. Kevin Weeks joining us. Back in the day with Blockbuster, you know this. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. Hey boys, we gotta make sure we get our movies right before we get on the road. He said, your back is like a circuit breaker. I'm just gonna open up the breaker, flip a few switches, and just reset everything. Slam, pop, he's like, got it. Does he have a punch card where you get your 10th visit for free? Keeping up with the Kardashians. No one is better at exploiting their kids for money than that mama. Everybody loses. Well, except the producers of the show and sex. Ask Tristan Thompson. San Diego! We are back in San Diego, live on 97.3. The Fan FM. The Jungle on FM. Sounds nice. Nice. Get nice, nice on the nice, FM. Nice. I love it. Ingram with a shot. He cut it! LA Laker, Andre Ingram. I mean, that's Chris Paul telling me that, man. Like, this... <laughs> You're right. The movie could have ended right there. That's nothing short of magical, man. It's, it just got better with uh, each minute I was out. Austin slammed his bat on the ground. Now heads toward the mound. Once again, I don't condone violence on the field, but those were two good brawls on the same day, and we're not even in the middle of April yet, and nowhere near playing for anything that matters, yet guys had their dogs up. Joe Hawley is my guest. Did anybody think, man, you have completely lost your mind? The biggest reaction is jealousy and envy. I, mean, I, I know a lot of people probably want to do this, so I felt of responsibility to share it with everybody, but the feedback and love and support I've been getting has been incredible. Westbrook has the 16th hey, rebound. Keep doing you. Keep glassing pools. Billy Donovan. Wait, what? 
Billy Donovan. Flats, 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 Alvin. Kevin Byard, my guest. You know, in a couple more years, I will be a household name, and everybody would kind of look back at those situations saying, hey, we should never doubt it, that man. Here's a topic for you. Mickey Rourke's face. Corey McGetty, my guest. You have a lot of teams that's hungry. You know, it's like a dog that hasn't been fed, that needs to eat, and they're going to attack anything. Congratulations! Hey, babe. Mom! Mom! Email! Dear Rome, do you know how much of a freaking bag you have to be to make the Kardashians likable? When you start with a rash guard smack, dude, to someone who surfs, that's dog whistle politics, bruh. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> Bruh, bruh, bruh. Today's a very good day. Mostly really good things. Time to let go. 97.3, the fan, FM. I grew up watching you. Because I hit from the golden tees. Bent pants and why they roll those bones through the mall. Fresh Harbor. Okay. Yodeling is like candy corn. Psych. Get that dog off my lawn. And you better bet your butt. All right, let me tell you the whole story. Yeah, good talking to you, Jim. What a finish. Good night now. We're joined by Padres manager Andy Green. Andy, it's great to have you on. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, doing fine. How you doing today, Jim? Good, good. Andy, nice to visit with you. I know you're coming off kind of a tough loss to the Giants last night, and you didn't get the hits that maybe you would have liked, but i got to ask you about one moment that I thought was great. A very interesting moment when you had pitcher Clayton Richard as a pinch hitter in the third inning. He homered on Monday. He's swinging the bat really well right now. So what was your thinking when you went to him as a pinch hitter, and then how pleased were you when he got a base knock coming through with a single? Oh, we were hoping it would lead to runs eventually, which obviously didn't yesterday, and it turns out to be the only hit we had of the day, which I obviously wasn't thinking was going to be the case in the third inning of the ball game. But, uh, you know, uh, we had a short bench last night, and we had a starter coming out after three innings. It's, it's fairly typical in that situation with one out and nobody on. You turn towards another pitcher, your best hitting pitcher to hit. And uh, Clayton put together a good at-bat, lined a single in the right field, and uh, uh, the tough part of that was that was all we had to show for it. Andy Green joining us. I see you working. Listen, yeah, it's how tough the NL West is right now. I mean, you look at that last year, and you had three teams make the postseason, and it's not like anybody took a step back after last year. If anything, the division probably got tougher, and now you're in a stretch where you just played the Rockies. You've got the Giants, then the Dodgers, followed by the Diamondbacks, and then the Rockies again. So how do you go about approaching a stretch like that? No, it's a, it's a heck of a challenge, this division. Uh, I think anybody looking at it from the outside at the start of the season would say it's the toughest division in baseball. We knew that going in. Uh, we knew our opening slate of games was going to be uh, by far and away the toughest slate of games in baseball. We just obviously played the Astros on the road, uh, played a very good Brewers team in the opening series, and everybody else we've played up till now until we saw the Giants have been playoff teams last year. So uh, we know what we're staring down, and for us it's a heck of a challenge, and we look forward to that challenge every single day when we step on the diamond. And uh, you know, there's, uh, we, we've had some injuries early in the season. Some key players are out right now, and uh, we look forward to seeing those guys back. Uh, and the guys that are out there every day will continue to battle and you know, fight to win a series against the Giants right now. I was going to say that. I mean, it's, it's a gauntlet, right? It's a challenge in and of itself, and then you've got some guys who are banged up, and you've got a young team. How do you make sure your young guys stay locked in and they don't get overwhelmed by the start of the season? I, I, you just got to stay relentlessly positive with them. Uh, it's a group of guys we do believe in. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, based on kind of the injuries or being exposed to pitchers that when we went into the season, we, we planned to platoon a little bit and have guys face guys that were probably, you know, optimal matchups for them. And then you look up and you've had too many injuries to even be able to contend that way. So everybody's getting run out there every single day for the most part right now. And uh, love the fight in the group of guys. We obviously showed that in Colorado. Uh, last night was a rough one for us. Uh, looking forward to kind of getting back in the winning column tonight. Andy Green joining us. You know, you mentioned the fight in uh, Colorado. Eric Hosmer was saying afterwards that he thought that it actually could be a moment of growth, that when you've got everybody coming off the bench and everybody's got the back of their teammates, that that can galvanize the team. Did it feel that way to you? Is there any kind of bonding effect that comes out of something like that? Uh, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's a great team effect where guys feel that each other have each other's back. And uh, I think our guys definitely felt that. Uh, the tough part of that was we kind of, right after that inning, we went back out there and gave up five runs. We fought back that day, turned it into a very close baseball game, but came up a little on the short side. I think when you throw some wins on the backside of a, a fight, it tends to have that galvanizing effect. Uh, for us, it's time to throw some wins on the backside of it. Andy, how it goes, right? I mean, it's it's competitive. Guys are competing at the highest level, and emotions are going to flare up. I mean, a fight's going to happen sometimes, but in that moment as manager, how concerned are you about the safety of your guys? You don't want to see anybody go down. Uh, I've seen too many incidences where guys uh, you know, have a shoulder injury, hand injury, uh, 
all kinds of different injuries, back injuries. Uh, those things are out of control, and uh, it's in those moments you're just hoping everybody comes out okay. Uh, it seems like we came out okay from that. Uh, I, I don't know the Rockies' end of it, but uh, you're not wishing injury on anybody. Uh, you're hoping everybody comes out healthy, and uh, I think our guys in general are like healthy from that. So you feel like it's all squared up, it's even, it's done, or when you play these guys again on April 23rd, might it flare up again? Uh, you hope it's all behind. Once you've had a blow-up like that, it's time to just go on and play baseball and win games against your opponent. Uh, not something I've given a ton of thought to right now. Most of our thoughts been focused on the Giants, and uh, that's about it right now. Padres manager Andy Green joining us. You know, I mentioned Hosmer. You signed him as a free agent. As manager, how does it make you feel? How happy are you to know you can write this guy's name in your lineup card every night? Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, unbelievable competitor, unbelievable teammate. He, he's put together a ton of really good at-bats for us early on. Uh, he's swung the bat well. Uh, we haven't gotten on base in front of him enough for him to drive a lot of runs in. Uh, we got to do that a little bit better. But, man, he's been uh, as advertised. He's been just a tremendous addition to us, and we know that addition is going to continue to pay off for years to come. Yeah, so if you're part of a rebuilding process, and part of that means that there's going to be a big focus on prospects, developing your young guys as opposed to signing big-name free agents, what's a signing like Hosmer say about where the organization is in that rebuild? Does it say that we're moving on to the next phase in the process? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those moves you make in, in anticipation of a lot of guys starting to show up on the scene. Uh, and front office chose to be opportunistic, and we saw a free agent out there in Eric that we really wanted. That would be a huge part of uh, uh, our rebuild and a huge part of what we were heading towards and be kind of guy that we built around. And when young guys came up, we could point to somebody and say, hey, this is what it's supposed to look like. Uh, and you know, it's, it wasn't a, it wasn't a signal to the rest of the world that yeah, he would come. It was, uh, another step in the journey and another step in the process of building a contender here. And, uh, I think he's been a, a tremendous acquisition. He's done all those things we're looking for him to do. And I think as time unfolds, uh, he'll be a huge part of a winning culture here in San Diego. All right. So before you go, let me ask you about a couple of young guys. When you look at a player like catcher, Austin Hedges, who had that ridiculous diving catch on a foul bunt and then threw a runner out at first while sitting down for a double play, or maybe somebody like Manuel Margot who looked like he was about to break out before he got hit by a pitch earlier in the week. What about the future of those two? How bright and what's the upside for them? Uh, we love both those guys. Uh, Manny out there in the outfield covers center field as well as anybody in the game of baseball. Uh, uh, a lot of people recognize the loss we have when we lose him out there. He, he's unbelievable out in center field. He makes plays that other guys just flat out don't make. And uh, You were right. The bat was coming. Uh, smoked a couple balls that last day. Was swinging it really well. And it was just a matter of time. He's too good a hitter. He was going to bust out. And uh, it only been two weeks into the season, so we weren't thinking too much about it. And we were confident he was going to bust out. And on the uh, on the other side with Hedges, uh, defensively, there's not anybody that's better receiving, throwing, blocking, making those kind of catches that you saw last night. I've seen him do that a few times. Uh, he gives everything he has every single day out there. And uh, there's a lot of belief in his bat, too. You know, he's a very young guy in the big leagues last year. He hits 18 home runs. And uh, there's a ton of power in there. And uh, if he squares up more and more baseballs, uh, he's going to put up some very impressive numbers from a very good defensive catcher. You know, Andy, when I said to you, like, in the beginning of the season when there's a challenge, how do you keep young guys focused? You said you just got to stay relentlessly positive. You guys talked about in spring training how you're always positive with all these guys. And then Clayton Richards said this about you. He said this, quote, he's so far ahead of the game as it's played out, his mind works a little bit quicker than most people he's always thinking. I mean, when you look at being a manager right now in the bigs and the job description, how much of it is about in-game strategy and being ahead of the next guy, but how much of it is about developing and fostering relationships with your players? Uh, 90% the latter. Mm. Uh, the, the game, the strategy, uh, that matters on the margins. Uh, when your team's contending, that really begins to matter. You do whatever you can to give your team an opportunity to win. That's the competitive advantage you bring. But the culture you create, uh, the relationships you foster, uh, the competition you create, uh, that stuff matters far and beyond anything else. The way you help guys develop as, person, as human beings and then as players, uh, that stuff's at the top of the list, and you got to drive that stuff home if you ever want to have a successful culture. Uh, I personally love the game strategy. I think that's fun. I appreciate what Clayton says. I don't necessarily see myself that way. Uh, I appreciate those comments, though, and for me, it's uh, the game's the game's the fun time, uh, and then you do whatever you can to put your guys in a position to win a baseball game, and uh, we'll continue to try to do that here in San Diego. Brah, what are the swells like? What's the weather like? What are you doing this weekend? What's up, Silk? 
Bro, what is up? Okay, quick surf report. The wind just kicked up when we had those, those winds the last couple of days. Right. So it's blown out right now. Not much happening. Water's a little cold. I'm still wearing my booties in the morning. Uh, but the weather is beautiful. Yeah, as you can see, Brad, it's going to be, uh, tomorrow's going to be 79, having a little uh, pool party, taco man get together at my buddy's house. Uh, all the bros will be there. It's going to be hot, bro. It's your best life. It's your best life. Good job. Yeah, I'm living, literally, I'm about 85% on living my best life right now. So there's always room to improve. Now, I love that you had a little take on the beach because earlier someone from Green Bay emailed the show, I believe, and was cracking on San Diego. Now, San Diego doesn't need someone from Orange County to take up for them. But when you start with a rash guard smack, dude, to someone who surfs, that's dog whistle politics, bruh. Now, someone from Green Bay wouldn't know that rash guards are so 95, bruh. The uh, technology with wetsuits these days, bruh, are such that we don't need rash guards anymore because the rubber is so soft. And by the way, I'll take Encinitas, La Jolla, Del Mar, Wind and Sea over... Uh, Racine, Fond du Lac, Waukesha, Sheboygan. So Green Bay's great. I was there. I saw a Charger game at Lambeau. It was awesome. But San Diego, no comparison. Now, I'd love to give a, as a proud Swede myself, I'd love to give a Toxin Mickey and a Skoll out to my fellow Swede, Philip Forsberg. That video was ultimately epic last night, bro. I mean, I, I, my jaw was dropping. Now, what people don't realize is when Forsberg's coming down the middle of the ice and he puts you on his hip you not only cancel christmas you cancel kwanzaa you cancel festivus you cancel hanukkah you cancel flag day that guy is unbelievable as most swedish hockey players are now i love it when utah hockey bro i'm so stoked and with the ascendancy of female clones it's time to get our resident female hockey expert aaron in ottawa back in the jungle i'm shouting out to you aaron i know you're listening come back into the jungle and while we're on the uh, subject, bro, my solidarity will be with the toothless king of the Norris Trophy, who's getting a raw deal in crap Vegas. I'll be wearing my purple and gold dowdy throwback for the game tonight. It's going to be epic. Goalie battle, quick, flurry, unbelievable, bro. Listen, shout out, Alvi. Can't wait to hear you later, bro, 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 bro. Later, bro. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want? Taste you love.